When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome to the new season of the bloodandmud.com podcast. It's not really .com anymore. No. Forget the website, it's just a blood and mud podcast. <laughs> Even uh, after all this time, I still keep getting it wrong. And after yeah. all this time, I still am Lee Calvert. Of once of bloodandmud.com, now of just talking. Yeah. And over there, I'm sure that you remain... Still crazy after all these years. <laughs> hey, Paul Simon, he's a lad, isn't <laughs> hey. he? Miserable guy. Uh, I, I remain Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com, which I still actually do do, by the way, so by, please go You've there. You've landed yourself in some trouble, haven't you, this summer? <laughs> I wouldn't say trouble so much as a lot of spirited debate with a lot of very angry men on the internet. Yes. So what else is new? Everyone it was says. a bad exeter, yes. but we're not going to yes. go there because we're not was. doing it anymore. No, no. Um, how mean, was your summer? The first part of the season, I may set up a sort of, you know, if you pay me to not talk about it anymore, <laughs> then, you know... A that, special that Patreon be a, tier, yeah. Patreon tier. <laughs> With all proceeds going to Native American athletes or something. Anyway, yes. How was how was your summer? Well, we kind of we were available over the summer to patrons, weren't we? But how was yes. the kind of back end of your summer, Josh? Anything exciting happened? Um, I, I didn't do a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, I, I didn't really do anything. I didn't go on I, I have, as being not having children, uh, I have the luxury of not having to go on holiday during the summer holidays. So I just 
enjoyed my drastically reduced commute time in the morning mm-hmm. and uh, and and just did nothing. It was nice and I enjoyed it. Insane summer. I went to Toledo in Spain, but it was boiling. Very nice place. If anybody's in Very Spain, nice. it's about an hour from Madrid. It's a worth worthwhile going to it. Uh, speaking of commutes, I've got terrible, terrible news is that my Fiat Punto finally died. I did, I did see that. You are no longer a member of the, no. the honourable fraternity of Puntos. But in a sort of fuck you to me as it went, it broke down in the middle of the roadworks on the M6 in Cheshire. <laughs> So I had to stand next to it with steam rising out of the bonnet while I got the filthiest looks from hundreds upon hundreds of people <laughs> as they went past me. Whenever you see those like things where it's like if if you break down, they'll recover you for free signs. You're always just thinking, "Fuck! I hope that's never me." Well, that was me, and they came and yeah. got me. I had to drive up the roadworks, and I got stuck behind people digging a hole for forty-five minutes. Brilliant! And they took Absolutely. me to Nutsford Services, where I waited to be recovered by the AA. It was all. A very glamorous thing altogether, basically. <laughs> I'm surprised you've even managed to pull yourself back together to come back on this podcast, Indeed. Well enough, to be honest. And speaking of this podcast, you can get in touch with this podcast at Blood and Mud on Twitter, that's me, and Lee at bloodandmud.com. And there's Facebook pages and all that kind of Just put me in Google, you'll find me. Yeah. What and- about you, Josh? And me, it's it's obviously at Josh Gardner or at Rugby Shirt Watch or indeed rugbyshirtwatch.com. Uh, we are on Acast still. This will be on Acast. Uh, however, um, we are on Apple Podcasts, but also I've already mentioned we have got the Patreon page. Yep. We've got special episodes over the summer. Have um, you enjoyed those? Yes, indeed. We, I'll be honest with you, I fucking loved making those. They, they were, were great fun. And absolutely, bar- like, if you like massive 90s nostalgia with a very, very small sprinkling of rugby on top, You'd have enjoyed it. Which is kind of what you're going to get with this episode as well. So brace <laughs> It yourself. is actually, yeah. This is a sort of weird, like, halfway house. Now, as you know, people who are patrons, patrons on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash blood and mud and join. And they got the summer episodes. They'll get, like, the Robbie Life interviews and stuff like that. But what we do do is you can pay $2 to just be a normal member or you can be in the Allied Brew Lounge or you can be a VIP member of the Allied Brew Lounge. You get your name read out as a special thank you. There have been quite a number of them over the summer where I've not been updating. So I'd just like to quickly say a big, big thank you to Lewis Anderson, Catherine Kavanagh, Sarah Kosh, Philip Andrew Levitt, good name, Toby Bainbridge, Rod Hutchison, Hal Moore, Simply Alex, <laughs> Elliot Dickens. Is he, like, is he like Prince? It could be oh. a lady. Yeah, or, or, or she, yeah. Uh, Elliot Dickens, Vader's Jester, Simon Jones and Stuart Ewins, who have all joined the Allebrew VIP Lounge over the summer lucky, recess lucky months. Lucky people. Thank you very much. And again, thank you to all of you for your support. If you Indeed. are a patron, there's been a couple of polls put out on the Patreon site yeah. this week for you to vote for future content and all that kind of stuff. So don't miss out on that because we want to make sure that we're... Yes, basically, what silly thing are we going yeah, to do next? What would you like to see, hear more of? Yes. Now then, to this episode... Yes. There are shitloads of rugby podcasts about these days, you may have noticed. Yeah. Some certain ex-professionals rugby podcasts are squeezing into the Patreon game now after we Ooh. fucking led the way. I'd um, love to say I'm surprised yeah, that we're trendsetters. We've still got you know, more patrons always... than them. <laughs> that surprises Even though me they've been, But they're nearly caught up to us. They've been live for about two days and we've been live for about seven months, but that doesn't matter. Um, I think that says an awful lot about us. Now, than... all of these podcasts are doing season previews. Yes. When they'll tell you that some teams will do well. Yeah. Some will won't do well. Yeah. Some will do a bit better than they thought, and some won't yep. do a bit better than they thought they would, and all of that yep. jazz. So yep. we're not going to bother with all that because yep. you can find you that really somewhere want, else. 
Yeah, do you really want to listen to roughly analogous takes on the same stuff on all of the... Yeah. Oh, it's, we assume you listen to all the rugby podcasts. I mean, if you, you're listening to us, you must have surely exhausted yeah, all of them. Can, we cannot surely be your only rugby no. yes. media intake. Because, if, well, oh. actually, if we are, are you okay? Because you might need <laughs> yes. to... Yeah. Yes. If so, you know, just, just blink twice. Um, we can't see that. Neither can anybody else, but, you know... Well, some of the train thinks you're going a bit strange. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we thought we wouldn't bother with like making you listen to that for the third or fourth time over and yeah, do something totally s- fucking unrelated. Yeah, there's only so mu- so many ways you can you know encapsulate the futility of hope that is being a Gloucester fan, mm-hmm. or simply the futility of being a Dragons fan. Yeah, and everything or- else in between. So our preseason pod is not actually about preseason. No, it's the preseason pod that's not about preseason copyright. Yes, and if they try and steal that from us. Jesus. Yeah, look out, Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, it could be seen as pre-season because we're going 22 years pre this season. Yes. Yeah, it's really pre-season. And we're going to go way back and take a look at the Wigan versus Bath Clash of the Codes matches. And ironically, well, well maybe not ironic, maybe you, you had this planned all along, but we are recording this on the 123rd anniversary of the Rugby Football League. That is true, being founded in 1895, the big, correct? The big one, two, three. If you want to find out more about that, sign up to Patreon if you haven't already yes. and listen to the Rugby History podcast about England. History yes. about England. Uh, right then. So yeah, we're going to go back to May 1996. Yeah. This was in, 22 yeah. years ago and a bit yeah. years ago. Before we do that though, I think it's oh, time yes. to decide before we have this discussion who well, we're going to sit next I to mean, as we play Who's Down the Clubhouse. Do you know what? Some regular listeners probably thought, oh shit. They've brought the new season back and they haven't brought the clubhouse with them. Or they thought, thank fuck for that. It's a new season. They haven't brought the clubhouse so with them. Some oh, no. winners, some oh, no, losers. My, it's oh, back. Oh, no, my friends. It's back. So um, would you, Lee, I think you should probably go first. As in I read because... out to you or you read to me? I never know what that means. I don't know either. Right, I'll fuck read it. to you. Okay, good. So then here's your choice today. You yes. can sit next to, first choice, Derek Romance. <laughs> Into it. Derek's, yeah. Derek is 56 years old. He wears a velvet blazer with interchangeable pocket square at all yes. times. He's on his second divorce after his first after his second wife left him for his first wife. Oh wow. That's that's very 21st century. Yeah, he, owns, I like it. he owns all of the greatest love songs type albums that have ever been made on Great. vinyl. Oh. And prefaces everything he says with hey baby. So, for example, hey, baby, do you know where the bleach is? Oh, God. Hey, baby, I have a lot of time for Air Supply, a very underrated band. Hey, baby, no, I won't stop hanging around outside your house until you come back to me, you lesbian bitch. (laughs) Um, I'm starting to think that he might get a little bit, you know, particularly once he gets a few beers in him, he might get a little bit scary. Yeah. So I'm going to say no thank you. Okay, to... so, well, okay, that's fine. You can have the next choice mm-hmm. is Keith Marrow. Right. 45 years old. He's morbidly obese. Right. He wears a Red Dwarf T-shirt permanently. Of course. He lives alone in a flat with only a faux leather, leather recliner in it that also doubles as his bed. Jesus. He eats exclusively by ordering in from Haroon's, the kebab shop that's underneath his flat, and they have keys to let themselves in. When at the club, he drinks pints of what he calls after smooth, 
which right. is John Smith smooth or other smooth variants are available with a shot of aftershock poured into it. Oh, Jesus. If that's still a thing. <laughs> it and is when, to him. And when ordering, when ordering his drinks, he always says, and a pie chaser with that, please, landlord. No, I'm only joking. Actually, just give me the pie, will you? He literally eats all the pies. I mean, from a, from a pure... I mean, he seems like he'd at least be a, 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 a you know, he'd probably be glad to have someone to talk to. I don't think he's you know? a bad guy. No, he's I mean, he's lonely. Probably, I mean, as long as I didn't have to sit directly next to him, because there might be some personal space issues there. You know, if I could sit across him, you know, on a table, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I'll go with him. So, Keith Marrow, take a seat next yeah. to Keith. Don't try and take the pie off him. It might get nasty. Oh, no. I mean, you know, I wouldn't. I and would just never. ignore Derek. Shouting I'm, about, I'm, I'm going to try. Saying, my hey, best. baby, right? Okay. I think I'm going to try. My, okay, so yours Go. this month, this month, this I've week. Got a are... write, write down the details. So I can do it properly. Okay, good, good. So uh, your first, your first option today is uh, Winnebago, Winnebago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nobody knows where Nigeria? he's from. Uh, well, no, nobody knows where he's from, or indeed where he's going. But uh, you can be sure as hell that he'll be doing it on four wheels, because uh, as far as anyone at Old Ostrichin's RFC can tell. He bloody just loves that old camper van that he always turns up in at training. Um, the problem is that given that he's always the first person to turn up and the last person to leave, quite a few people around the club have started to suspect that he's actually just permanently living in the thing. Mm, and he's mm. he's kind of just behind the old grandstand, you know, stealing the Wi-Fi from the clubhouse, leeching off the electricity, uh, and generally just kind of using his position as a reserve centre for the second 15 as a big cover to the fact that he's just basically vagranting there um certainly there's, the there's prevalent... a line where eccentric becomes sad isn't it well exactly and certainly the prevalence of like human-sized dog dirts that need to be cleared off the field before <laughs> training can start every week does present a compelling case that maybe somebody is using the field for things which Who's is not walking in... a bloody great day on this field every week yeah, <laughs> i mean to be fair to him he seems like a lovely guy mm. but remember the one thing to remember before you do decide if you want to sit next to him or not um the only time that he has access to running water toilets or a shower is after the game on saturday and of course after training on tuesday night so you know right you you've got to yeah you've got to balance that up with your second contender tonight yeah das toot that's just uh, what just simple as that. Das Toot. Yeah. T double O T. Yeah. yeah. He, right. he first he first discovered rugby when he came to Britain as a as a German exchange student in the nineties. Uh he claims to have played for the German national side on three occasions. Nobody can verify if it's true because it was the nineties. You 90s. can always lie about that, can't you? Because it exactly. is verifiable, yeah. To be to be fair to him though, he is a bloody handy and typically efficient blindside on his day. But his downfall is that once the match is over. He just fucking hoovers up Charlie like James Dyson's personal fucking handy vac. All right, I see. I'm with you uh, now. Yes. So, I mean, it would be annoying enough as it is, except that when he's off his tits, he has the tendency to spend every bit of cash that he has queuing up Scatman John's greatest hits on the clubhouse jukebox. Deary me. So, so there you are. You've got Winnebago, Winnebago, or Das Toot. Now, neither of them are very appealing, I'll be honest. As an opener no. for the season, you've, you've, no. you've, you've, you've done me a kipper here. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're different. They're, they're awful in different ways. But I think I'm going to go for. I think Winnebago, Winnebago. Yes. Because he might be. Well, depends what day it is. It is a month. No, hang on. These are Monday. We're recording this. That means he's not showering until tomorrow. But I'll, I'll get over day. that. I'd, I'd like to understand why it on he's Thursday. It's fine. Oh, it's Thursday. We don't record. Yeah. On a... yeah. Oh, it's and fine. He's had, he's had a shower then. Yeah. yeah. He's had a shower like two days ago. How bad could it get? 
that's fine. Okay, good. So I think I'm going to go for him. Winnebago, Winnebago it is then. It is, yeah. What else have we got going on then? So there you go. Take a seat. What news have we got, Josh? Have we got any news? We're not really going to do pre-season, but have we got any news that we need to um, appraise, been, apprise people of? A lot of, of England coaching-related news. Some more have gone. The psycho one is still to turn up. Uh, and Andy Farrell's apparently laughed in their faces when they said, would you like to come and be part of the England centre? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what would you do? So yeah, all you don't appear to have any coaches left now except for Eddie Jones, which is good because all you need is is Eddie Jones, surely. Yeah, the psych the psychiatrist is gone. Yes, and the uh, the head of sports science has gone as well, which is. I mean, it all just paints a, a picture of a of a wonderful working environment for everybody who's going to come into it, doesn't it? Really, absolutely. And then and, uh, you've got yeah. Cipriani, of course, who's banned and well, not banned. Ashton is banned. Yes, for Cipriani throwing people is, on their heads. Yeah, which is fair enough, really. Uh, Cipriani was a very silly boy, um, and he's probably quite lucky not to be banned. If I'm totally honest, assaulting a copper generally kind of carries quite a a more lengthy bit of discipline than a, a very rapidly handed out fine and then beating the fucking well, hasty to be street. fair to him i think it was kind of dealt with and then it is you know if somebody if he was a 10 who plays for ealing trail finders that happened on tour which he probably happened not that i'm saying particularly ealing trail finders, i was just thinking of them Absolutely. that would never have made the media the rfu would not never to. have done anything it's almost like they have to be seen well we have to be seen to do something because it's in the media yeah. So he is a kind of victim, but then again, he is a tit, isn't he? Why can't he just he figure is, it out? And he is in the public eye as well, and that's the difference. You know, he's he was he could be England starting ten and he's going around getting into fucking scuffles with coppers over nicked bottles of vodka or whatever. It's just God alive, mate. Yes. Get it together. Any more so, news? Yeah. Um no, all the, the news season is, starts in a couple ooh, of days. Ooh, a bit the of season easy. starts, yeah. I'm quite intrigued to see how Premier, Premier Sports do with the Pro 14, I'll be honest with you. They're putting a free one out, aren't they, on the shit channel? And this week, yes. I think it's Zebra versus Southern Kings. Oh, oh. <laughs> Let's not set the expectation for the free yeah. shit too high too early, <laughs> shall we? S4C got a game a week as well, so there is still a way to watch it for free if you want to. Um, and there'll be highlights on the website, won't there? There usually is. Yeah. So, yeah, I genuinely I, think Zebra versus Southern Kings could be brill. It could, could be, be just like an absolute bad shit crazy thing. Yeah, it could. Who knows? I watch it. It's free. Who won't? You know. That's right. Yeah. No, look, don't, yeah. Not, don't look a shit Sam, horse in the mouth, do you? Yeah. Sam Warburton is now every single fucking media company's first choice pundit person. Well, I got a press release from BT Sport that he's yeah. he's he's on there now. It's not BT, and he's doing Premier Sports Pro 14 coverage, so presumably he's doing Europe with... Oh, I bet Jiffy's he's, worried. I bet Jiffy's I worried. Say, he, is going to, he is stamping all over Jiffy's turf as the most ubiquitous <laughs> rugby pundit on the planet. Tanks parked firmly on Jiffy's lawn. <laughs> Apart from the rugby yeah. league, or maybe he would take over that. Maybe, I wouldn't put maybe. it past Sam, he's capable of anything. No, exactly. He's certainly got a size advantage. Any other news then? Uh, oh, that time of year, and it Charles... Charles Piertow looks like he's out for a very long time, which is a fucking shame. That is a shame. Um, what happens then? Do they like not have to pay his salary? Or does the insurance pick I it think up? Because it was a fairly sizable chunk of their budget. Well, they're they? paying him a million quid a year, apparently. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine they'll be going shopping down the Southern Hemisphere for an injury cover quite soon. I keep saying Ben Smith because I want to try and make it happen. There's some sort of rumour that flies around the world, even though it has absolutely no basis in fact. But, uh, yeah, it'd be funny though, wouldn't it? 
And finally, there's a bit of news. We need to catch up on what's happening with the Challenged Cup. Oh, shit, yeah. God, I forgot that thing existed. Yeah, so um, Yes, so as you will all, without a shadow of a doubt, remember, we left... You'd at least vaguely remember it, I think. Yes. The Challenged Cup at the end of last season... Uh, they lost to the Kings on the third uh, of, or the, sorry, the second of March last year, and the Dragons they have been the Dragons, in, yes. The Dragons have been in position in possession of the Challenge Cup ever since. They held it all over the summer, as they did last season. Don't forget. Yep. Um, but straight off the bat, you know, glorious new era in Dragonia or whatever the hell they're going to call. <laughs> You've just <laughs> call, made that up. Yeah, I definitely did. Uh, whatever they're going to call Newport Gwent. Now, let's be honest. New, Dragonia is a better name than Newport Gwent. Um, yes. Yeah. Why on earth they didn't just continue calling it Newport? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, we're not going to do that, are we? Oh, fucking do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so they've got bloody Treviso up first at home at El Rodney Parado. I don't know why I said El Rodney Parado. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking really weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm playing. In, they're playing an Italian team, so I yeah. would use a clumsy <laughs> Spanish sort of word. <laughs> It's, look, guys, we've had a couple of weeks off, and I have totally forgotten how to do this. Uh, yeah, so Chiriso at home, that with especially with bloody everyone that they've got now, mm. all the players that they signed, Richard Ivard, Ross Moriarty, others. This um, should be a spanking. Yeah, well, if, if you're going to set the toll for the season, they should be spanking the very, Treviso. At the very least, they should be bloody winning quite handily at home if it's going to be any different. We so, have, yeah. We have disgustingly drifted into talking about preseason, which I'm very unhappy about, but go on. We have, but you know, we're only talking about the games that fucking matter. Dragon Treviso, yeah. That is Dragon Treviso. That's top of everyone's fucking, highlight, Bill. For the fucking Challenge Cup, that's what it is. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Right then, so shall we go way back, way back to May 1996 to talk about the Clash of the Codes games? Yes. Which is a weird thing to remember happened when you think about it. Now. It is, and and the thing I will just say though, there is a tortured link here as to why this actually somehow makes sense. Because who's the new sponsor of the Premiership in England? Gallagher. Who were the biggest band in May 1996? Oasis. Yes. There we Gallagher go. Gallagher band, Gallagher Premiership. Have some yes. of that. Absolute six degrees of separation. Nonsense. So, yeah, your point about this amazingly ever happened. Professionalism shiny and new in rugby union. It is. It's, it's weird to think of this on reflection now, isn't it? Like how new all of this professional lark was to like, ever, like well, not anybody on the fucking rugby league side, obviously, but like from a, from a, a rugby union point of view, it was 96. Professionalism had happened a year hence. Yeah, well, not even yeah. a full year, was it? It was sometime yeah, it wasn't through '95. It had basically come in at the start of that season. So, and it's easy to forget as well from rugby union point of view, or I'd certainly forgotten. People out there may remember that effectively, you know, they talk about in rugby union the competitive period since yes. the start of the competitive period, and you're like, well, what's so? Basically, I can't remember what year it was, but basically about 1986, I think, mm. was when the sort of courage league or whatever it was then started. Yes. So that before that, there was this whole bit, like in Wales, the merit tables and all that yes, stuff. Yes, it was all yeah, it was all merit. There was no proper league, and like it's weird to think like it was. And you know, for people who don't know, it was this was a two. We haven't even explained what it is. Yeah, it's of course. The, yeah, yeah. It it was a game between Wigan Warriors and Bath Rugby. 
one game played under league rules and one game played under union rules. And it was, but this was like, it's weird to think about how controversial this all was at the time looking back. Because now, you know, it's happened since and it's just a bit of a weird curio. But like, this was the first time that league and union had been able to cooperate in any kind of notable way for 100 years. Well, put it this way. If Bath had played this game, the rugby league game was first on the 8th of May, 1996. Yes. If Bath had played this game the year before, in May 1995, every single one of the Bath squad that played would be banned from rugby union forever. Yes. And that in itself is... It's well, fucking mad, isn't it? Well, yeah, we, we can go over the pettiness of that rule, but it just makes you realise how much things have changed, that this could even happen. Because effectively, the team that played that day for Bath, which contained international, they would not have been... They would have been banned from playing their sport yeah. Yeah, had forever, this been played they, 12 months they, before. But May 1996, and, professionalism was coming. Rugby League didn't matter. You could play whichever game you want. Rugby League, yeah. you come back, they didn't give a shit. So... <laughs> Wigan at this point as well. It's worthwhile dwelling on where Wigan were at, where Rugby League was at. Fucking astonished. Like that Wigan team, you look at it though, that fucking Wigan team. Like. I'll come on to the minute we talk about the game, but they'd effectively won. This seven league. Seven league and cup doubles on the trot up to this point. I mean, Bath were fucking good at this point as well, though, don't forget. They'd Mm. like won, what, six out of eight seasons in the league and they'd. They'd go on to win the Heineken Cup in 98 and then never win anything ever again. It was commonly uh, accepted these were the two best teams available in each code at the in time. In the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's it's weird watching these... The thing that, To be honest with you, the thing that annoyed me about watching these games back on YouTube where they're freely available mm. um, is that they were both on Sky and that means that even back then I had to listen to Stuart Barnes. Um <laughs> And if you look at the, uh, the the rugby union game video, there's a bit of Stuart Barnes chat before. He's got a dreadful oh three-button suit on. And... I tell, you, tell you what, the fa- Barnes's haircut hasn't changed in 20 years, which, I mean, also applies to his understanding of the game of rugby. <laughs> that hasn't moved on either. Um, but yeah, he the thing that absolutely boiled my fucking piss was that he doesn't know that when you sit down, you undo your jacket at that point. <laughs> and it's not just he's, he's got all like, three buttons done up. He's got all three buttons done up, and he sat down, and the jacket's just fucking stunned. And everyone else in the studio is just like, yeah, just sitting there like a normal human being. And there he is, looking like a man who's about to explode. It just absolutely made me irrationally angry, and I don't know why. In a, in a fawn suit, I think you'd call it. Yes. Beige, well, fawn, was... bone, off-white, the way you want to call it. Cream. Very much, it was very much in line in both cut and colour. It was three button suit, fawn, yeah, paisley tie, I think. Yes, yes, and a, a lot of sh- still a lot of shoulder pad in that era. Yes, you know? yeah. So we can come into this, and actually at this point, the get they'd started talking about doing the game in the previous December, so December December ninety five into January ninety six, and it was finally agreed. The RFU wanted nothing to do with it. Yes. The RFL well, they, weren't exactly they... enamoured. No. And um, the RFU like pocketed like a spurious excuse about needing to reseed the Twickenham pitch to try and stop it from happening, didn't they? Well, they didn't want to play the Union game at Twickenham. Yeah, they Twickenham, refused. No. Yeah, and then the WRU was like, "Well, you can play in the Arms Park if you want." And the RFU was like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, 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 actually, no." I fine. think we can wait for the reseeding, <laughs> yeah. don't you, Peregrine? That'll be fine, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, but Gus, um, Gusket refused to play in it at all, didn't he? He was yeah. just like, "I'm not fucking doing." That. I mean, to be honest, absolute tosser that he is, obviously. Um, I guess he probably didn't fancy right in Farrell, Scott Quinnell, or Henry Paul for 80 minutes. Or Gary Connell. 
Well, Gary, and you can blame him in that regard. <laughs> well, look at Gary Conley and went, fuck that. Fuck that, yeah. No, thank you. And who can blame him, but still, tosser. Yeah, so Wigan, but what, again, Wigan had won seven League and Cup doubles, and I remember this period because as a person who despises Wigan on an elemental level, this was not <laughs> a nice time to be a rugby league fan. That fucking Wigan team, though. Jesus, yeah. when you look at the players who were in it. Yeah, fucking... I'll just pause Jason... on that one. Last point yeah. I'll make on this is that yes. what we need to understand is that for the first time in, in a decade, Wigan had lost a Challenge Cup game. Yes, they had. And weren't they? in the final. <laughs> and so basically they were a bit like, well, wh- you know, we basically rely on that to bolster our six months of our income. So, they, <laughs> And I think Bath looked at this and thought we can make a... So there is a lot of being said about the fact that it was a money-spinning exercise. And Absolutely. I think there's a lot of revisionism around that. So, and, and at the time, a lot of cynicism. But I think when we... I think when we do the aftermath later, I'd like to reflect on that a bit more kindly, I think, but we'll come on to that later on. Yeah. Before but, we get into know, the games, sorry, do you want to make another point about that? Yeah, but, uh, you know, and let's face it, at this point, there was not really any shame in either side saying, yeah, we're doing this for cash because, you know, Bath had only just turned professional. They could probably have done with filling their coffers and obviously League for all of its was still, you know, a sport that needed money, even with Sky's money coming in there. So it, it's... And Wigan were the richest club in the game. Um, yeah. Not just because they kept winning, but also they had some of the biggest financial backers, the Rathbone family, the big baking family from Wigan back then. And, um... Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. I always remember Rathbones because the people, anybody from the Northwest will remember this. They, they, used to, they, they did a Rathbones thick and thin loaf. Half thick, <laughs> half thin. Rathbones thick. Let's just that was the though? brand. Rathbones thick. I don't know. One for half for toast, half for butties. I'm guessing. God, that's. I mean, on some on some level, that's genius. And on the other, it just seems like. Well, nobody else has massive. done it. It's never really took <laughs> off, has it? <laughs> it's not. In, if we're talking best things since sliced bread, <laughs> it's the best <laughs> thing since thick and thin sliced bread. Yeah. 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 So Wigan obviously would stare into probably they'd. You know, like we, you know, when you say you shouldn't rely on your overtime for your income, but people always yes. end up doing. That's what they obviously yeah. what they did with the Challenge Cup money, I think. So they yeah. had to sort of think about making some more money. Before we uh, get into the games, let me ask you, Josh, what were you doing in May 1996? <laughs> I would have been. Well, this was slightly before my birth. My your eleventh birth. <laughs> birthday. Yes. So were you aware yeah. of these games going on at the time? Do you remember? Fuck no, no, I did not remember. I did not have. Do you know what I was doing? And, and me and you were joking about this earlier because the BBC, in their infinite wisdom, for some reason, have got TV listings from 
all of time. 1924 so, onwards, the BBC but, genome site. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful, for, yeah. For all of BBC's channels. So we can see what was... And I'll tell you what I was doing on, on Saturday, on the, the day that the Rugby Union game was being played at 25th the time. 25th of May, 1996, 25th, yeah. I was, watching, I was watching the bloody New Adventures of Superman on BBC One. Uh, it was, and that one, it was the I pr- Now Pronounce You episode, the first in a three-part story featuring guest star Tony Curtis. Lois and Clark embark on their biggest challenge yet, marriage. It's the big one. Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain tie in the knot. I, I, so you that, know, I don't know if it's because I was 20 years old yes. when this was when I was in uni. And I never watched The New Adventures of Superman. But a, a, lot, a number of my friends did because quote-unquote, Terry Hatcher, end of conversation. Yes. Well, I mean, as a, as a, even as an 11-year-old boy, where such things were, were still, you know, starting to form in that regard, I was very, <laughs> I was very enamoured with Terry Hatcher. <laughs> There's an image for you all, things starting yep, to form in that, that regard. Which... Tony, 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 Curtis, Tony, Tony Curtis played a character in this episode called Dr. Mamba. Which, That's magnificent. Which, is, which I, I guess he's down the clubhouse now, isn't he? <laughs> um, but, um... Yeah, I but was. There was I was. Some I was. Shit. There was some mad shit on tel- on a Saturday night telly, and I'm not even talking Noel's house. Oh God, party. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, when I looked at what was on telly on the 25th of May, in particular for the Union game, I was so, staggered by how awful, stroke, mad it was. Because yeah, it's it's because it's Saturday night, isn't it? So, and the the thing, do you, I mean, do you want to talk about full swing? Jimmy Tarbuck. Let me just read it. Let me just read out the description of what full swing is, right? Jimmy Tarbuck with a new golf based game show (laughs) in which celebrities win money for charity and prizes for their contestant partners. Featuring tonight, and here's some like proper middle of the road 90s people, right? Ronnie Corbett, obviously. Tim Brooke Taylor, he of the goodies. Ian St. John, the Scottish ex footballer, stroke. Greavesy's clowning partner and the show's combination of golf and technology, including famous courses recreated by virtual reality. And and they put this at the end as if this is the best thing ever. A studio putting green laid with grass. That's, Indoor I mean, grass. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This, it's just the most 90s thing ever. It's a fusion of sport, light entertainment, yeah. celebrity a, yeah. and... Aging comedians and dodgy Beelist services technology, and the fact that we can do this thing now with technology, and it probably there are actually video, there are actually episodes available on YouTube. The technology is so bad. Imagine Terminator Two, but with only a tenor, not like the twenty-five million they had to do it. Shall we? Shall we? As a bonus pod, uh, do a (laughs) we'll do a a talk along commentary of the pilot episode. I don't imagine there were many episodes of. uh, It got. We'll get back to rugby in a minute, right? But. There was then there was full swing, then Superman, then Confessions. And then Confessions is the w- now Confessions. Simon is the Mayo w- still doing this on BBC Radio Two. Simon Mayo yes. hosted this, and he still does these Confessions, which are yeah. fucking tedious. Yeah, but this is this is listen to this right. Ten past seven on a Saturday. It's, you know, it's, t- it's Saturday night. You know, if you're anything like me, your parents have been out and done the big ASDA shop over at Merthyr Tydfil Dowlas Top ASDA because that's the nearest fucking supermarket to you. You've you've come home with a nice. On reflection, incredibly badly made French stick. <laughs> just, yeah, they're quite blown up in Asda, aren't they? Inflated. They're all and they're Too still much like air. That. Yeah, it's weird. How have they, how in thirty years have they not got better at making a French stick? Anyway, um, 
don't get me on bread. I'm very passionate <laughs> about it. Um, so you come home, you, you know. Did you they stop Rathbone's thick and thin, though? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Rathbone's thick and thin is the most that would never, the bread. They wouldn't have sent that abroad to Wales. That wouldn't. They wouldn't have happened. But you know, you've just sat, you've watched you've watched New Adventures of Superman. You've seen Lois and Clark get married, and then you you know you just you to eat your French bread sandwich, and then at ten past sevens you get Simon Mayo hosting an entertainment show in which confessions are extracted from the unsuspecting. Tonight, a man who ran naked around Cheltenham Racecourse has his secret exposed. That sounds harrowing. While arguing his case in open court. you know, (laughs) Harrowing as fuck. It's like, oh yeah, remember that time that, you know, you lost the baby? It's, what's next? It's just, oh. And it was, is it right you were whizzing off your tits at the time? Is that correct? You know. (laughs) Also, also, I enjoyed that later on that evening was the uh, one of the '90s worst television shows. Oh, I know where you go with this one. Craig McLaughlin vehicle bugs. I mean, I mean, just that in itself. In you design Craig- a show to be a Craig McLaughlin vehicle. Craig McLaughlin, yes. he of Henry from Neighbours yes. and Hey Mona, the song, and was in a weird. I remember Bugs being a sort of weird, like, sort of procedural meets espionage meets sort of like futuristic tech sort of it had jesse sketch. birdsell in it as well it marcus jesse tandy from el dorado there's none more <laughs> 90s than that either is there but then you think about what bugs was right you know a sort of weird like technological espionage program they tried and to they, make a film a tv show out of sneakers the film didn't they, they but did without it. robert redford's it didn't quite work as well and this this is an episode description now bear in mind this is supposed to be as i said a sort of technological espionage action show Relics from the 2,000-year-old tomb of a Bactrian king are being traded for a powerful new explosive. It is the what? oldest show in the world, though, isn't it? You know. Yeah. God, it's... it's. Have you said that? Things pick up like, after the news. How was, this, how was this not the most watched programme of the weekend? Because the televisual options otherwise were fucking shite. <laughs> it does pick up after the news because you've got a, double, a film double bill, which is Private Benjamin, then The Lost Boys. Now, that's all right. Yeah. I can live I with that. I tell you what, this reminded me that films used to be on television. <laughs> like, quite good and you'd actually look and go, what films are on tonight? Yeah. Sort of oh, thing. I can watch a film. Yeah, I can watch The Lost Boys. And I, and I love that the description of The Lost Boys uh, is offbeat horror from the director of Batman Forever. Oh, that's <laughs> Oh, Joel, that's that's what you'll be remembered for. So there we are. That's what the sort of technology, uh, the televisual environment that your yeah your clash of codes was was coming into. And yeah, wait. Just let me just very quickly talk about what was on BBC Two. Oh, I am because if you if you fancy cheering yourself up, have a look at BBC <laughs> Two on a Saturday night, twenty past seven. Correspondent. 15 years after the Khmer Rouge lost power, they still control hundreds of square miles of mountain jungle. So it's some bloke going to have a look at that. So that's not going to go yes. well. You've then got cricket, which is the 90s, so England will be losing. Yeah. So, so you've got that Eng- to watch. England versus India in the second one-day international. Yeah, so they will be losing. We'll be losing that. Have I got news for you, which is all right, I suppose. Then you've got screen two, which is, I imagine, a drama. The Cement Garden. When 15-year-old Jack's parents die, he and his sister Julie are worried that their younger brother and sister will be taken into care. As the press is trying to keep their family together, build up, Jack finds the sexual frustrations of teenage life and his growing attraction for his sister start to <laughs> impinge on their already complicated lives. Showing in widescreen format, 
format. That's so you can see all the incest in beautiful sixty-nine. Oh, do you know what? This will be featured on on confessions next week. It will. But do you know who's in this? Fucking Charlotte Gainsbourg. Of course she is. is. Deviant. Deviant. And then you got later with Jules Holland featuring rap star Ice T. Ugh. Ocean Colour Scene from, from Solly Hull. Why they did that to put it there, I don't know. No. And Cowboy Junkies. I mean, that's a fucking... I mean, Ice Tea aside, that is a risible lineup. <laughs> I saw Ocean Colour Scene before they became Britpop. They were kind of shoe starey <laughs> at the beginning. Before they were cool. <laughs> oh, I can hear it dripping off you. Anyway, that was the telly, which yes. was, I think we can all agree, rank bad. Yes, aside from New Adventures of Superman, if you weren't watching this, what were you doing? Yeah. So, now, let's go back to... That was the 25th of May, all that telly. Let's go yeah. back to the 8th of May. The first game was the rugby league game, Wigan versus Bath. It was held at Main Road in Manchester. Yes. Um, again, another a link Wednesday, to Oasis there. A Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, Which is why we haven't done the telly on that, because it was mainly just casualty. Yeah, as it still is, I think, isn't it? Yes, is it still exactly. No, absolutely nothing has changed. Um 20,000 people yeah. came to have a, have a look at this one. Now, I, I specifically remember this game because one I was playing, I was in the rugby league team at uni. Yes. And I was at the end of the 1995-96 um, academic year, which me and eight of my friends failed. Oh. Because we kind of went to the pub in January and didn't um. really come out. <laughs> so I had to yeah. resit the whole of my second year at uni. So not only had I gone to Teesside Uni, I'd actually failed a year as well. Uh, which, you know, but actually those eight people are still the core of my best friends now. So, you know, Worth great it. things come out of it. So anyway, what I remember is the score, the final score was 82 points to six for Wigan. It was. We'll, get, we'll get into the detail in a minute. But what I can remember most of anything is that the rugby league team was sat in the student union watching this and we were absolutely screaming for Bath not to score. <laughs> we were desperate for them to get nilled as if to prove I, some point. I don't, I don't know what there was a lot of, th- I remember a lot of the, at the time, a lot of this was about trying to prove some point and we couldn't define what it was. It was like hundred years of built up, like revenge being like, let out. It was almost like you wanted to sort of demonstrate. And I could completely sympathize with this, that they'd fucking wasted their time. <laughs> that a hundred years of banning about with amateurism. And all they'd got was that they weren't as good as rugby as you. And now they finally finally come to their senses and it was time to show them what they'd been fucking missing out on. And to be fair, massively did like on, but in both games, to be honest, like even though Bath obviously won the, the other leg, like I think it was probably a chastening experience for Bath as a rugby union team to see, because you look at that fucking, that Let's Wigan talk about the Wigan team. Yeah, Let's go on. talk about the Wigan team. They're way more excited to talk about than the Bath team <laughs> because it's obscene. So let's just go for probably the the most like the most famous name who had very little to do with it. Scott Quinnell was there on the bench. Yeah, on the bench, quite a handy player. Vigas Wigamala, decent player. Henry Paul, decent player. <laughs> Sean Edwards, decent player. Martin Afire, decent yeah, player. Yeah, he, he knew what he Andy was doing. Andy Farrell, not bad. <laughs> Chris Radlinski, probably one of the most yeah. brilliant fullbacks of the past. 30. I mean, basically, the, the, the Wigan. Mu- and we haven't much of the Jason fucking Robinson. Much of the Wigan side are basically like a list of greats in the past 25 years of rugby, 20, 30 years probably of rugby league. And rugby union. Um, the, and Woodward went hard after Chris Radlinski. 
So really? the reports go. And actually, you can see why. He was yeah. ridiculously yeah. magnificent. I mean, he's quite young at this point. He's only about 20, I think, playing fullback, red-haired lad. Um, so you had Radlinski at fullback, Jason Robinson on the wing, a fire on the other wing, Gary Conley and Vaiga Twigamala as the two centres. Fucking hell. <laughs> Sean Edwards and Henry Paul as the halfbacks. Again, fucking hell. And then this front, this front row, by the way, Neil Cowie, who was a, just a horrible bastard. Uh, Martin <laughs> Hall, Terry O'Connor, who's now a who's now a pundit on Sky, very nice guy. But again, I mean, if you look at his figures for this match, he scored two tries, carried, made about twenty-eight tackles, and carried for a hundred meters or something. It was just unbelievable. And I think that's the biggest thing when you watch the game back. A lot of the backs moves don't get much resistance. One of the biggest things you notice. In the difference is the carrying power of the forwards. Yeah, rugby union had, had, had very little carry dynamic carrying. No, power there wasn't dynamic at this stage. But but equally, like I am not sure that anyone in rugby union had heard of a defence coach at this point. That's the other thing as well. In it, they yeah. were utterly baffled by anything that even resembled an attacking move. And well, like uh, yeah, if Wigan ran a very basic sort of yeah, well, just it, a winger c- coming inside and cutting back against the yeah. grain and this forty meters. Or Instantly. a big rugby league move at that time is a scrum half would get the ball or the half would get the ball, run across the line and fake a, yeah. drop, a scissor pass and then pop it. Yeah. And that was just getting through every yeah. single every time. Every single time. I mean, we, to, be, to be fair to Bath, they didn't exactly have the best prep for this because... Five, <laughs> no, well, let's, let's talk days, about that, yeah. yeah. Five days before, they'd won the Pilkington Cup uh, and then, by all accounts, they got fucking wrecked for two days. As you would. As he would. Uh, and then they had a really massively hungover warm-up game against the South Wales Dragons, who were like in the fourth division or something like that at that point, yeah, weren't and, they? and they lost quite they got handsomely. Fucking, they got smashed. <laughs> they did. Um, I remember, I think it was De Glanville or somebody said, it's the only time that he's been in a, you know, in a dressing room before a game, really quite frightened of what was about to yeah. happen. I don't think there was, they were under any illusions that it was going to go incredibly badly for them. And it it did go incredibly badly for them. Let's be honest, eighty two six. Yeah, Simon Horton was playing for uh, Wigan. He's a kind of forgotten second row actually. Mick Cassidy he was he's from Lee originally. Who's again horrible. I hated all of them because they all played for Wigan. But <laughs> Andy Farrell, of course. Now, interestingly, the Bath team. Mm. Uh, Phil de Glanville played very well in this game actually. He, he, yes. From a when you watch him from a bravery point of view, he was really really fucking brave. Because it'd well, be very was... easy just to think "fuck this" sort of thing, but he was he was really brave. And interestingly, they put just shows the difference in the two ga- the two games is that at hooker for Bath Rugby League hooker, I mean, they put their normal scrum half in, yeah, Ian Sanders, and they put Callard, who's normally a fullback, in at the number nine, uh, the number seven position, which is scrum half in league, because mm. that just shows that because actually it is the hooker that actually does the scrum half passing yeah. in, in league. Obviously, for those of you. I think pretty much most people will that. And it is genuinely very interesting that, like, they, you know, how they lined up and how that sort of, how it did demonstrate the differences between the two codes. But, like, let's be honest here. There was just, like, it bears repeating, it was a year, barely a year after Union went pro. And, like, the difference in conditioning, fitness, strength, organization is just they the Wigan boys were proper athletes. Yeah, and, and the, I'd go back to that point about the carrying power in the forwards. The way that I mean <laughs> yeah. O'Connor just drive just drove it up straight. Yeah. And it was like a fucking skittle alley. <laughs> and basically. also just like Bath just running into just a wall 
of tacklers who just tackle you back on their feet, tackle you back. It, on their it feet. took six. They could not. I'm sure it took to the 16th minute for Bat to complete a set of six. Yeah. To actually go through five tackles and kick the ball away, it took them 16 minutes. Um, a fire touched down within 90 seconds and it was disallowed, and then he touched down 90 seconds later. <laughs> and they scored 16 tries in total, Wigan, of which six were scored by Martin Afire. And the thing is, they really weren't that difficult. No, and it's, it's it bears like Bath had to basically ask for rolling subs at half time, didn't they? And Wigan granted it. And they said yes. They were like, all right. What I do enough. like about it, I think there was some. I'll come on to the Union game in a bit, and there's, there's quite a funny interview after the Union game, but there was a lot of respect in this game. I think Wigan Massively. were just like, I don't want to fucking completely humiliate you here, which yeah. we know we have the power to do. So I will kind yeah. of, and you can say that's patronising, but actually it would have nobody well, any good to do that. Which, And I could understand if you had done like, that, to be honest. But Yeah, and it's but it's not like Wigan didn't do this sort of thing to people quite regularly anyway. That's like, the other point. They'd have, they had a Super League game against PSG the week before, and they won that. When 76. PSG were a team in the Super League, yes. by the way. Paris Saint-Germain, remember that? Yeah. Um, um, but they won 76-8. But they'd regularly you know? do that. They batted Halifax like yeah. 18-0 that season. They were just, yeah. they were, I mean, they just, were, they, that's the thing you got to remember as well. It was a professional game, Wigan, but they were one of the few all-professional teams and had been for a while. Even yeah, at that stage, the Super League, they'd just gone to summer rugby at this point. That's when, this is when Super League, well, yes. Super League had started, this is when they went to summer. So actually, I think Wigan were like two games into their season, just been through the whole pre-season conditioning. Mm. And Bath, like you said, were off the back of a long season off the piss, playing a game they yeah. didn't understand. So yeah, and also like they, this was how Wigan played. They just they blitz teams, particularly early doors. They'd come out of the gates and they'd fucking score four or five. They tries used to do that, blow, or, or, blow teams away. And if Sunday managed to stand up to that, the last they, they had a brilliant. They were like you know the All Blacks fifteen minute soul sponsor. Oh, yeah. They were a master oh, yeah. at doing that. It was so <laughs> fucking frustrating. But um, yes. So well. It's, Glanville said after the game, they're so hard to stop with their lines of running, in particular in the pack, they come on at pace. They weren't used to people fucking hitting the line and taking the ball at pace. And I think really the union struggles with even now is forwards from a standing start. Yeah. But because everybody does that, it's not really a problem. Whereas when you've got people who are running from 10 metres, you're 10 metres further back from the tackle. Yeah. So yeah. they're getting, and you're playing against a team like Wigan, who are one of the best, and they play at pace. And they're playing against some of the best forwards that play the game. You, you, yeah. It's a fucking horrible, ghastly nightmare, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, I, I I, mean, to be fair to them, you know, it did seem like, you know, the Wigan, as you say, they had a bit of... They were they respected the fact that Bath didn't fucking throw the towel in and they no. were just... They <laughs> took their licks and... Can we talk about Bath's kit? Yeah, what is that about? It Bath was... Had... Let, let's Let's describe it. What was it like? It's a quartered kit with what I can only describe as like some of the quarters are white and some of the quarters are no one quarter's blue and then, oh yeah one quarter's, and then the other, and then one, the is other one is is black and white stripes black and white stripes which is a fucking it's a this is not the kit that Bath were wearing at any other point this season that season because their home shirt that season was. Um, Plain blue with... Uh, it's very similar to what they've got this season, actually. It's plain blue with uh, white and black stripes, like, on it. that Like, hmm. two bags of kind two of classic. Yeah. yeah, and the away shirt is white. It's the, and they wore the away shirt for the union leg, but then they wore this fucking bizarre... 
ported a, a one-off kit, kit we guess in or something yeah which must be one of the first examples of like a proper one-off bespoke kit and for the life of me i don't understand why they did it if they did it done didn't like help kit, i'll say that much no it didn't but if they had done like a bath kit that was like a chevron or something to make it more rugby mm. league mm. that would have kind of made sense in a way it, the kits demonstrate the polar opposite points at which the two games are coming from because Wigan, yeah. their kit's all nylon. Yes. And they have the smallest shorts in Christendom. <clears throat> oh, good God, those shorts are tiny. They are so small. And what's funny <laughs> is, is that Wigan at this There's... time are sponsored by Norweb, which is the Northwest yes, Electricity Board. Yes, they are. But it's at this point the deregulation's just kicked in. So they're now starting to do gas. But what's really obvious is they, they've just yeah. stuck they gas just stuck underneath because the, <laughs> the kit's designed yeah. just to have Norweb on it. Then they're like, oh, shit, right. Everyone, iron gas on there because I need to sell some gas as well. But equally, Bath have just, uh, you know, professionalism has allowed the sort of proliferation of shirt sponsors, but Union was still very much didn't really know what the fuck it was doing with it. And so all of the premiership teams had a sponsor on where you would now have the manufacturer logo on the yeah. right-hand side of the chest. Was this pre-Sweb? Obviously... When did they have their Sweb? Uh, uh, yes, kit. it was free swear. This was Thatcher when they were still sponsored ah, by right. Thatcher's, which or is obviously swab, none, one of the two, yeah. none, none more fucking West Country, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just a re- and so yeah, and they didn't even wear their home shirt in the away leg. They wore their away shirt, which they'd also worn at Twickenham when they were playing Leicester a couple of weeks previously. It's probably so. all being washed. Like no, you're not having it. It's the end of the season. Yeah. You've got to wash yeah. it and sort through it and repair <laughs> it and stuff. It's it's just. Yeah, it's a weird and it's a weird fucking looking game as a result of that because Bath are wearing this quartered kit that they've never worn before or since. I'm conscious we didn't talk about the Bath team. It was Lumsden no. at fullback, John Slito, Phil de Glanville, Fraser Waters, he went to Wasps eventually, mm-hmm. and Adi Adebayo, Mike yes. Catter outside at standoff as it would have been for rugby league, Callard at the scrum half position, uh, Kevin Yates, Ian Sanders, Harg, Vander, Steve Jomo, and then our friend Andy Robinson was playing yeah. forward. Uh, Steve Ajomo got good reviews. Did he uh, really for, the, for oh, this perfectly. for this game? But when you watch the, somebody did <laughs> when you watch the video, just get a get a tally chart out, listeners. When you're watching the video and tally how many times it's Steve Ajomo either missing the last tackle or being <laughs> stepped around. <laughs> to be fair to him, he was getting himself there, but I felt very sorry for him because a number of times he just ended up on his ass while somebody went past him. It was really quite. Yeah. Sad for well, him, really. Good player, Steve Ajomo. If he wasn't, he was quite lazy. He could have been, I reckon, a, re, a starter for him for ages had he and, actually put himself about a bit more. Well, this this game was kind of a, a representative of that, really, wasn't it? Because it's like he was getting into the right positions and then just not being good enough at tackling or not being asked enough to tackle. And, yeah, I mean, what do you say so, in that... So 16 tries, Bath did put a better showing on. John Callard managed to kind of show and go from the dummy half position right near the line and score. Yes. Leading to much, much upset in the middle say, University of Teesside Students Union. Um, <laughs> but actually, the, the, league, the league crowd quite got on their side of that because whatever you might say about league crowds, they, you know, they do give credit to people who get stuck in yeah. and don't give and, in. And they... You know, it, it, they tried. You've got to give it a bath. They fucking tried. I mean, the one thing that we haven't spoken about so far in this game is, and to be honest with you, my prevailing take from it, which is Jason Robinson, obviously a fantastic player mm. in both codes, fantastic for England right up until the end. 
But at this point, I think Jason Robinson should have been illegal. <laughs> yeah. He like he made players look stupid with his footwork and his pace and his acceleration a lot in both codes all the time. And he, I've he was, never I've he, never seen him humiliate anyone like he did in that first fifteen minutes against those Bath players. They just had never seen anything like him, yeah. and it was. It's genuinely hilarious. And to be fair, he did that to league defences as well, but it seemed particularly yeah. sharp in, in, yeah. in this game. Because there was no organisation and they were just literally going... And he was like a sort of turbo queen in chess, in chess yes. that he could move in any direction <laughs> and nobody could get hold of him, you know. Careful calling Jason Robinson a turbo queen. We're oh, gonna that's... Get... <laughs> uh... yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. He's I, a very honestly... Christian man, is Jason. He is indeed. He won't like. He won't enjoy. Man that. off with his uh, personal trainer. That's how very Christian. Well, he is. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, if you haven't watched the highlights of this game, it is worth watching them just to see absolute fucking apex of his physical powers. Young rugby league Jason Robinson doing to a basically amateur rugby union defence. Yes. Things, things which should not be broadcast before the watershed. To be honest, it's it's obscene. And but brilliant, and it's it's like watching somebody who's got the cheat codes on, you know. <laughs> yeah. he's, it's like, like he's, it's like your Clarence beef tank, but small yes. and fast. It is. He's basically a greased Clarence beef tank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what episode uh, the Clarence beef tank thing that we talked about was in. It was a long time ago. It was a long it was a, time. A Madden ago. cheat thing. Um, yes. Good clip. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so that was that one. Uh, 16 tries, six of them by Martin of Fire, 82 points to six. Yeah. I think it was quite obvious that Bath were very glad to see the back of it when, yeah. the, uh, when the whistle went. And again, well, lots of that. respect at the end. Sean Edwards said, you know, they never gave up and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people would have given up and stuff. Mm. And then it was onwards to the Union game. Well, that was the thing. At the end of it, Sean, I think Sean Edwards later was like, was it with the Bath second rows? Was like, see you at Twickenham. And at the time, he thought he was just being nice. But what he actually meant was, we'll fucking see you at Twickenham. When there's a proper set piece. When you've got got to scrummage. And, and yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Wiggins, like, Bath obviously had a very unpleasant warm-up situation against for their rugby league game. Wiggins' rugby rugby union prep, I mean, okay, they played Oral, who were in the Prem at that Point, yes. to be fair. They had a couple of um, training run-outs against Oral. They had a couple, yeah, and they got heavily battered in the scrum. And then but realized, then they, oh, shit, we don't have a clue, yes. Yeah, but they went to the middle set of sevens as a warm-up and won. In between, yeah. Yeah, just went and fucking But won. even when you watch that, you notice they get battered in contact. They haven't got a Absolutely. clue what they're doing. So what they Not do is just all. keep it away from contact yeah. the whole time and yeah. manage to win the tournament. Everywhere. Some of the tries in that game are absolutely ins- like obscene, genuinely obscene, because, as what? you say, they cannot bear to be anywhere near contact in that Middlesex Sevens games. No. So they just like, and that is it. on YouTube as well. That is worth watching because yes, they do. It's, it is box office. And then I think how long after that was it when Bradford Bulls went and they won it. Mm. That was in the Leon Price period of Bradford Bulls and stuff. He's somebody who done well in rugby union. Leon Price, fuck me, he'd have been ex- outstanding in rugby union. But you know, time's gone by. So game it's two quick. was Saturday the twenty fifth at Twickenham. Twickenham, yeah. And uh, if you were watching New Adventures of Superman, you were watching on Sky Sports 2 at the time. Sky Sports uh, 2. 42,000 people turned up. 
Yeah. Which is what, what two thirds full ish? Yeah, there was, was, yeah, was 20,000. The first the, game was as a main road in Manchester. 20,000, uh, yeah. What, what has now become. Which is no the, more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and uh, the complexity of rugby union was always going to be a fucking steep hill for Wigan to climb, wasn't it? I mean, what was it? Yeah, what was interesting about it? They recognised that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Their coach at that time was Graham West. 43 years old, a Wigan legend. He'd won the Challenge Cup with them in 85. I went to that game and he was playing. And he's a Kiwi, Graham West. So they must have gone, will you play, Graham? Because you must know what's going on. You're a Kiwi. Yeah. So he came in at 43 years old playing second row alongside Andy Farrell. Well, yeah, why is Andy Farrell at lock at this point? Because he's tall and what what else are you going to do? It's like when Andy Farrell eventually comes over to Union like 10 years later, they put him at fucking blindside. But at this point, he's a second row. No. Although when you watch the game, he pops up all over the place. He's yeah, not really. Yeah, I think he was like, just just get people on the field, and then yes. we'll just try and do what it is that yeah, well, we they do. Basically, some we'll we'll we've got lads. We can pick two more players than usual. <laughs> we'll just pick our we'll just pick the fifteen best ones and Scott Quinnell because he looks like he knows what he's doing. Yes, yeah, so Quinnell was at eight. Three. Obviously, Twigamala yeah. started at flank. He ended yes. up in the centre eventually, but they put Twigamala in at blindside. Graham West came in, the coach, you're 43 years old. I'm assuming just because he was from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, um, he must have done this at some point. And they brought Joe Lydon back to play 10. Joe Lydon yes. had recently retired because he had played schoolboy union and stuff. And so yeah, had, and I mean, so had Edwards, Ed- don't forget, but Edwards was yeah, injured. Ed- of course he was, yeah. Because he, he played, England basically tried to poach him when he was playing... Uh, well, he captained England schoolboys under 16. Yeah, and they yeah. were like, come and play, and they were... They really went hard on it. In both and then games. Went, and then Edwards went, yeah, they're going to pay me a fuckload of money, so no. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting 10 uh, grand and I'm 16 <laughs> yeah, years old. Yeah, so. And I can basically like pay off my mum's mortgage. So I'll tell you what, Edwards, though, it's easy to, when you just see Edwards scowling, bald and terrifying now, yes. it's very easy to forget when you watch both of these games. Unbelievable. His player. range of passing and the yeah. way he just effortlessly wanders round not the in the second that, game, in the first game, sorry. The way he just effortlessly, effortlessly yeah. wanders around running everything, basically. The fact that he's a defence coach and not an attack coach is That mad. is odd, isn't it? It's but mad it's because they be... only ever hired rugby league people rugby to be defence, defence coaches, didn't yeah. they? They brought Dennis Betts came in and was a skills coach at Gloucester, wasn't he? And I think Paul Deacon was at sale for a while. But yeah, they didn't seem to want to have anything to do with the attack at the time, which is odd, really. It's like we've sat here with Rob Howley for the last fucking God knows how many years. <laughs> Did we ever not just think to let Sean Edwards see what he would do? Yes. You know, it would have been worth a shot, wouldn't it? He's off back to Wigan as well. I didn't mention that in the news. He is, indeed, he is indeed. And I'm very happy for him in that regard, mainly because he's not going to England. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere, anywhere That's mostly else. mostly what it's about, isn't it? Let's be yeah, honest. Any, he's not going anywhere where he can hurt me. So I'm delighted for him. It'd be interesting um, to see how he goes, actually, because he's not been in league for a while. He's going to get a very long honeymoon period because of who he is. But um, And I think he's too good a coach and far too switched he's on. He's got not... a year to get himself yeah. reacclimatized And to get it his well. team yeah. around him and all that. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, so anyway, so it starts. Yes. It's We talked about the teams. Bath basically get their normal team back in. Ian Sanders yes. goes back in at scrum half. Cats are outside half. Slytos. No Sanders, Jeremy Guskett still. No. Not even interested shit. in his own game. In fact, I think he was commentating on radio for shit this. Out. Absolute shit out. There is a bit in the video even where there. Steve-O, the rugby league commentator, says, or, or is it Barnes? He goes, he should be playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, quite oh, right, Steve-O. Yeah. It's his own sport. Why is he so afraid of Andy Farrell for? So the game anyway, starts. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, 
your point, the the bloody scrum, right? They had it's absolutely no idea. Well, what no. Was go- now, weirdly, I, I had a false memory of this game because what I remember is, is that Bath won by basically keeping it tight and mauling forever. And actually, that's not no, the case they, when you watch they, it. They were just... They just... They, they got the ball out of set-piece quite pretty well. And they actually carved Wigan open quite a bit in, yeah. in much the same way as Wigan did to them, actually. It, it's very similar. The, to be honest, and mainly that's because just watching Wigan try to compete at the breakdown is a bit sad. Yeah, and then the ball comes out and they're like, oh, shit. In oh, a shit, way... Yeah. They have all the systems in place. Like, they're making the tackles. The organisation is there. But then, as soon as it gets to a breakdown, they're either throwing themselves off their feet to try and get the ball, or they don't know what's happening and there's huge space. Jiffy famously said in commentary on radio, we're going to break in rules that they don't know exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, though, like, in the first half, it is very like that first game. It was, like, what, 39 nil. 25-0 at half-time. 25-0 and 39-0 at 50 minutes gone. And then Bath remembered that they are basically an amateur rugby team and Wigan are a team of athletes. <laughs> and then Wigan were like, right, these lads are fucked. So <laughs> let's just start running it from absolutely everywhere. We're going to have a what... justifiable um, claim to have scored two of the best tries that Twickenham has absolutely. ever seen. Literally, and that, that one try that was... wasn't allowed either. Yes, <laughs> That first Wigan try is genuinely one of the top five tries ever scored at Twickenham. It's fucking astonishing. Just for you don't know, it goes from basically, they've realised that, that contact is not their friend. It's, it's not a good <laughs> so, so they basically just from under their own post go, and just I think there's three, two or three passes behind their own line. Yeah. And they manage to get it out, and Robinson booms it up, doesn't he? Yeah, and then he just fucking hits the gas, and he is gone. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. It's and then he hands it off to Craig Murdoch, who was a young scrum half at the time. He was uh, Edwards's understudy at the time. Who again, lovely bit who of gas was, and who was fucking rapid, rapid yeah. when he got the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they just absolutely in that last twenty minutes, didn't they? Like the final score was forty four nineteen. So Wigan won it, the second half. Basically. Yeah, nineteen and, points to fifteen. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's it's actually quite respectable when you consider that like. Only one of those teams had ever scrummaged or competed at a breakdown before. What's interesting is, if you think about it, is that if you look at the way that people defend Rook now, mm-hmm. they don't... Wigan, if they, because this was old thinking, Wigan could have played this game not competing at all. Yeah. And just fanned out across the field and maybe ran two bobbies behind the line to pick up sort of people who come over the top. Yeah. And it might have been a very different they game, but actually, but actually nobody had thought of that. I mean, it's that's literally yeah. come in the last sort of two or three years into rugby union, yeah. hasn't it? That's, you don't really need to commit, and that yeah. creates its own yeah. problems, obviously. But in, you look back, you think, well, actually, if we're going to just done a rugby league defence, but with 15 players... Yeah, it could have actually gone quite well. A lot of or people saw after the Middlesex bad. 7 thing as well, and after the hammering and the fitness in the first game that... I think Steve-O before the game was saying he thought Wigan was going to win and Stuart Barnes wasn't having it. But I think you can't, it just should, the old adage, you can't win a game of rugby union, even with all the skills in the world, without a yeah. set piece, you can't do no, it. You can't, and, and you know, these lads had never done a lot, you know, they didn't have any props who'd played, who'd scrummaged before. Terry O'Connor, know? I've mentioned before, is an incredibly hard man, right? He took a full punch off the in on the chin of Gordon psychopath Talis. <laughs> and then didn't go down and started fighting back. And Talis was genuinely surprised that this bloke had even like stood up. Never mind, started hitting back. And he is on record as saying that he was genuinely quite frightened. 
yeah. before they get well, about the, what this would actually mean because they've never had that force put on their neck and stuff. It's just and that's, and that's the thing is like in many ways it was fucking dangerous. Like yes. putting a professional, well, you know, a a top flight rugby team and a rugby scrum and asking them to go up against, you know, fair play athletes, but people who've never scrummaged before in their lives. Like somebody could have fucking broken their neck. You know, it it, hap- it happened a hell of a lot more then than it does now, thank God. Hmm. But like, you know, it totally wouldn't have been beyond the realms for a horrible collapse scrum caused by people not having a fucking clue what they're doing, causing some sort of freak unpleasant injury. And, you know, to everyone's fucking benefit that it didn't, because that would have put a hell of a fucking kibosh on the whole thing, really. But, so yeah, it's it's weird. Now, you mentioned that Sean Edwards... We have mentioned how, you know, that he's come into Rugby Union and been a legend in Rugby Union as well since. But I think it's worthwhile playing. It's about a minute long. Mm. Sean Edwards' interview with Graham Simmons after the second game. Right. And just just listen to how, I don't think pissy is the right word, but how sort of patronising he is being to Rugby Union at the end. There's a lot of respect (laughs) after the first game, but listen to some of the things he's saying in this one. Thank you very much indeed. Sean Edwards, a reluctant spectator today, but I imagine extremely pleased with your team's performance. Yeah, actually, it was the best rugby game of rugby union I've ever seen. It was so exciting. Uh, <laughs> maybe rugby union's not quite that exciting normally, but uh, <laughs> I think one or two bunches of the ball could have gone our way. And uh, certainly we've had a couple of games under our belts. Maybe we could have given Bath a run for the money and maybe Ashland pushed them to win, winning the game. It was very much the same as Main Road in, in one instance, wasn't it? In, the, in the, the, the longer the game went on, the better the foreign team, if I can use that word in inverted commas, got. Bath got better at Main Road. You got better here in the second half. Well, we got better today. I don't know if it was Bath who led us in the game, but certainly at Main Road, <laughs> we did ease off a bit because, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to run the score up too much against Bath. But I don't think that was the case today. I think the Bath were trying their earliest all the way through. But we started to get a bit of ball got grips of the game a little bit and we got the ball out to our backs and obviously they showed how exciting they can be. The backs really did prove a point today, didn't they? Well, I think so and uh, I think the fitness of the Wigan team showed quite through because it was a very fast game for Rugby Union because due credit to Bath, they tried to keep the ball alive as much as possible and play attacking rugby. Uh, where in a lot of the other games, it seems to be a bit more stop-start. So that's due credit to Bath, but in the second half, I think they probably paid for it because they started to tire where our lads were getting the second win and coming on strong. All right, thanks for your time, Sean. Miles, back to you. <laughs> that is glorious. That is great, isn't it? Just, I mean, that's the best game I've ever seen. And you know, obviously... everything with faint praise. <laughs> damn it all. It's a bit of a shit house interview, really. Absolutely, but it's a hundred percent is. But it, it entirely fits in with the character that I've come to know of Sean Edwards <laughs> and quite love. To be yeah. Honest. Well, you know, we slacked off against them. I don't think they were doing that. No, they were doing that. They were they really. Were. They were. They were still trying their hardest. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, he was right that basically nobody played open play like Wigan did. And we've mentioned the tries. But again, you, the Middlesex 7 showed that as well. Yeah, I'd be interested, interested to well. see how a rugby, the top, like, you know, a St. Helens or Old Leeds or a Warrington now would do entering a 7s competition again. Mm. Because is it? It, is, it is very different now in rugby union. Certainly with defence coaches, conditioning, you know, people are basically trained as professionals from the age of 14 now, basically. Yeah, well, they've tried it again a couple of times, haven't they? Cause yeah, weirdly, yeah. Sale tried it in, like, what was it, 2002, 2003, something Helens, like that. Yeah. Sale and St. Helens, and Sale actually won on, they played, it was only a half. A half each. of each, yeah. Sale effectively won on aggregate, but only it was like 41-39, and it was just, yeah. 
n- neither side scored in the other code. So yeah, Sale were, <laughs> it was Sale were leading forty one nil under Union rules, and then St Helens won the second half thirty nine nil. What I remember is, and then they were, they had another one slated, didn't they, for later on that never came off. But um, uh, Southampton Sale was the other one that was supposed. That was quite recently. That was like three or four years ago, something like never that. Never came off, did it? No, and I think it's just. It's such a lot because this, you know, it's a weird thing that this thing happened. Let's not fucking. It's kind of very nineties, isn't it? There's loads of Mega things 90s. that happen in the nineties yeah. that are just like imagine that happening. I mean, it's, the nineties still seems quite recent, but it's not, is it now? Because it's tw- twenty-two years ago. But yeah, it, there We're is some in the past country. It, that is a, a far-off country now, and it's weird, you <laughs> yeah. know. Because there's, Steam. I mean, going. I'm going to switch to football for a minute, but. When Graham Taylor was in charge of England, Paul Gascoigne got injured and wasn't available for a crunch game because Paul Gascoigne was playing for Rangers in the Amsterdam Sony Mini Disc 7s in the middle of the season. <laughs> so, like, you know, FIFA and UEFA sanctioned this game that could happen where, like, Liverpool and Rangers were playing a seven-a-side game of football in the middle of the season. With their actual sponsored by Sony Mini Disc, which is non more nineties, yeah. by the way. <laughs> when they actually sent, you know, that would happen these days, but they send the fucking youth team. Well, it just wouldn't be sanctioned these days. These things, yeah. it was still a bit in professional sport. There was still an element of the wild west of the nineties, especially yeah. in rugby. People were trying to make, yeah, people were trying to just make every bit of cash they could from any kind of weird sort of thing that they could get their hands on because as you say it was the fucking Wild West but, and it was the governing but, bodies weren't keen on it but it was a classic example of again the Wild West where the owners just went well we're doing it anyway yeah I think these two games in particular were set up by like, by like the ops manager at, at, at Bath and the marketing manager at Wigan yeah just decided to set these up and crack on it. with it yeah. and then booked yeah. it in and got on with it sort of thing yeah the sort of things that would never happen it's the sort of things that when it you know, as much as I have opinions about him, when somebody like fucking Mad Murad tries to do that sort of thing these days and sets up a tries to set up a world club challenge or whatever, everybody's fucking laying into him left, right and centre and the IRB is, you know, censuring him and all these sort of things. And, you know, it just the sport will not allow that sort of shit anymore. It will not allow that sort of maverick. Fuck it. Let's try it thing. So at the end of it, I've already yeah. mentioned, if you look at like the aftermath of this and what happened afterwards, the, <clears throat> I've made this point already, but I will say it again. It's easy to forget that if Bath had played this game 12 months before, they'd have all been banned forever. Yes. So even if there was... A, I remember there being a sense of sort of anti-climax at the end where people were going, oh, well, Wigan won the league one and Bath won the union one, and oh. Because I think people expected to learn something or it to prove something, yeah, but I they weren't they, really yeah. sure what that was. You know, it was kind of... Yeah, what do you know? What do you know? These people—they're better at their respective sports, and they're different sports. Funny enough, you know, yeah. you, put, you know, they yeah. look a bit similar, but they're not. You know? But at the same time, it was like, in many ways, it was like a starting gun for yes the the reversal of the the anti-going trickle, north. Yes, the, the anti-going north. Yeah, because you know, within what a couple of years, um, Cornell went to Richmond, didn't uh, he? Yeah. Robinson, Henry Paul uh, went over, a fire went over, Twigamala went over, Connolly went million over. million pound Newcastle paid for Twigamala. Yeah, he did. Mad that, That was it? at the peak of Sir John Hall, who owned all the Newcastle. He owned yes. the ice hockey and the football and the rugby. Yes. Just being, like, trying to create this Geordie dynasty and every yeah. sport he had his hands on, basically. Yeah, he had like a touring car or something, didn't he? Or like a NASCAR He had or everything. He wanted to create. That was his, the legacy he wanted was this like northern 
powerhouse of sport in Wigan, yeah. in Wigan, in Newcastle, basically. Yeah. So, and but yeah, that was kind of the start of that, and it's it's kind of carried on. You know, it, it obviously went mad for a little bit when all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, we can get access to all these players that we can afford now." All of a sudden, but I mean, a rugby league team playing at Twickenham—it's easy to be sniffy about this now. But it was a big fucking deal. big deal, big deal you know. Man. And it, all right, yeah, all right, it was motivated by trying to make money, but that doesn't mean that it didn't have an important ripple effect. No, and as you say, it's important to remember that this would have been massively censured. 12 months hence and it was the first instance of cooperation yeah. between rugby league and rugby union in a hundred years and now you know you know the fact that like rugby league grounds and rugby union grounds are used for you know world cups and things like that yeah it wasn't long now, after this that England played Australia of, in the rugby league world cup at Twickenham which Twickenham, again yeah. a massive deal and it's like it's very easy to like because that seems ordinary now. But like, and you know, they the Challenge Cup final was at Twickenham. Yeah, Challenge Cup finals yeah. at Twickenham. It's like uh, what do you call it? The Huddersfield Stadium was used in the '99 World Cup. Old Trafford was uh, as England have played rugby union and league mm. at Old Trafford. You know, it's it's and often I suppose the biggest thing is is Leeds. You know, yeah, that's true. Where Leeds Rhinos and and what is now Yorkshire Carnegie. Became one organisation, yeah. Organisation. They, the they were issuing just box straight rugby contracts to everybody who signed for them, not league, not yeah. union. You contracted yeah. to Leeds and you may be used or defined as being used in either entity. Yeah. Or it's one entity, is... either sport, but, you know. Yeah, I don't think that entirely panned out as they no, kind not of really. But the ambition, but, but it could actually so... be done. It yeah. could actually be done without people having to hide themselves away or for yeah. fear of losing their you know, representative rights. Yeah, and it was sort of, it was almost like people, it sort of kicked off an era where people were like, oh, maybe the sports will come back together. Maybe rugby will become this unified global sport again. <laughs> maybe, and obviously nothing fucking came of it, but there was genuine optimism. And neither should it. That, neither should no, it become they're sport. Different fucking, you know. They're different fucking sports. It, it would have been a stupid idea, but like this notion of like, yeah, you know, we can work together, we can do things, we can become you know, rugby as a whole and, you know, all of that stuff has kind of completely gone at the fucking dogs now and it never really happens. But it did feel like there was some, like, optimism. And the that, move to summer rugby, of course, meant that there were these short-term the, contracts, weren't there, not long after, as Gary Connolly went to... Was it yes. Quincy went to? Henry Paul yeah. and Jason Robertson went to Bath. Bath, and then Henry Paul went to Bristol, didn't he? Gloucester. Oh, was it Gloucester? He, he signed full-time for Gloucester, didn't he? But... Um, when he was I playing for England, he was at Gloucester, wasn't he? Yes. I think. Oh, yeah, Blath, Gloucester, Leeds, rather. I mean, and a few people didn't do so well. You know, Nathan McAvoy, I remember, went from went from Bradford Bulls to Saracens and just nothing happened. Joel oh, yeah. Tompkins had one England cap before he became a shithouse to barmaids, you know, stuff like that. Um, Sam Burgess, of course. None of this. None of this. Sam Burgess wouldn't have happened without any of this. This, yeah. But it's weird. It's, it's. I mean, the, the knock-on effect for league has been, to, to be honest, I think it's been difficult because league have stopped. Nobody goes to league anymore. No, everyone okay. goes the other way. I think it's it's. League was fairly entrenched where it was, but I think it's this has made it worse. They're very they're going to really struggle to break out in any meaningful commercial way now. No, the best thing that's probably happened to league in the last 
10 or 15 years is probably Catalan Dragons winning the <laughs> Challenge Cup because that at least gives them, especially given that, you know, rugby in the Basque area has been on decline. Although, uh, what's uh, Perpignan are back in the top 14 this season as well now, just to fucking yeah. ruin the timing of that. Point but, of order, that's in the Catalan area, not the Basque area. But yeah. uh, sorry, yeah, Catalan area. <laughs> sorry, yeah. my my geography no, nose kicked in there. But it... No, you absolutely should have kicked in there. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's 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 weird that all of these things are happening now. Well, it's taken of... France rugby league that long to recover yeah, from having all the fucking all stuff the nicked off them by Nazis. Yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't want to know what I'm talking about, then have a listen to the France history rugby history oh, podcast yes. available actual, to patrons. Actual Nazis. <laughs> But yeah, well, it's 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 just a weird thing, isn't it? Like to to look at how the two sport, you know, in many ways, league was kind of, you know, while union was obviously always the biggest sport, like this game sort of felt like league in an extent, sort of giving rugby union a pat on the head for finally catching up, you know, and yeah. sort of being like, oh, now you can play professional rugby. Well done. We're <laughs> much we're we're much we're much better at it than you. And now in the 20 odd years hence, that sort of whole, you know, they didn't realise it, but that was the beginning of the end of that level of sort of moral superiority, I guess, because now everybody, like now, as you say, everybody goes the other way. Nobody goes to rugby league from rugby union. It's all arse backwards. And I wonder if any of the players really saw that coming at that point, you know? I don't think anybody knew that's the kind of, when you look back at it, that was the kind of, joy of it and also and the innocence of it really yeah i think everyone and the rugby league in particular for as much i think i come from rugby league place and i think mm. that all that rugby league ever wanted was for rugby union to say it's okay that you exist mm. and we respect the fact that you're bloody good at what you do yeah and for years that just never happened and i think in that through this that did happen yeah, and I then completely. rugby union became more economically powerful. There's not much you can do about that. That was always going to rugby union is the game of the elite. It's got a yep. much more established international game that everyone links onto, mm-hmm. and it's just always going to be that way. I think. But um... yeah, no, you're totally right. And uh, but yeah, this was like the last, almost like the last death knell of rugby league as a sort of financial and sort of organizational and professional superior to rugby union i guess but even if you could even if you could match salaries in in union that international dimension is a problem yeah that's what's tempting for people like sam burgess you look at eighty thousand people in twickenham in a world cup why wouldn't you yeah you know not just that's the thing not just eighty thousand people in a world cup eighty thousand at twickenham for a fucking game against italy you know you can't you can't compete with that but yeah it's it's a fascinating thing to look back on now isn't it you know it's such a weird thing it even fucking happened yes and And it it could only have happened then right at the beginning like they said the the, the kind of frontier nature of the decision making you know yeah it will never it will almost certainly never happen again and certainly not in the sort of high profile way you know going back to our little tv thing yeah um if you did you look at what uh on the i think it was on the wednesday night the highlights were on sports night. The highlights they? were on sports night, and it was the first, the first item on there was on sports night was, fucking, highlights of this historic clash. I'll, I'll read it. I'll get it up. Yeah, and but read to it. be fair, the second item was probably greyhound racing from Bellevue or something. That was a problem <laughs> with sports night some weeks. <laughs> yeah, 
No, so so Rugby League featuring highlights tonight's first match in the historic rugby challenge between Wigan and Bath. Mm. Second, football action from tonight's European Cup Winners' Cup final. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it does show that it was a... You know, it was a fucking big deal. And then and then the third item was previewing Saturday's FA Cup final t- between Liverpool and Man United at Wembley. What a fucking bog-awful match that was, by the way. Oh, it was bloody terrible. But <laughs> they, And Liverpool had quarters in their kit as well. There's something in did. this. Was that the Liverpool white shirts, uh, white well, suits? that was the that, cream suits, yeah. The cream suits. The linen suits, yeah. Eric Cantona winning goal 1-0. Fucking horrible <laughs> match. Yes, Roy Keane basically just shut the entire game down in that Roy Keane <laughs> manner that he does. Um, that glorious Roy Keane manner, I'll have you think. Um, but yes. So, we we know, specifically discussed the, 19, the Spice Boys Liverpool period on my other podcast, Nestle Dorma, <laughs> the football podcast. So if you're into that, then look that up. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll cut you off there. You're going to say something. No, so yeah, it was a big deal. You know, it was the lead item in Sports Night with Des Lineham and Alan Hansen. That I'll day, see what Alan you know, had to say about it. He must have fucking loved it. But that's yeah, you just, know, it, that's just bad defended. He'd have been right yeah. as well. <laughs> and it was it was more important in the running order than the Cup Winners' Cup final. Okay, it was Rapid Vienna PSG, but and looking ahead to the fucking FA Cup final between Man United and Liverpool on the weekend, it was a big deal. A big deal. And even though it was a fucking cash grab, it was interesting. You got a lot more coverage in the floodlit trophy ever got midweek in rugby league. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Right then, so before we finish, let's just talk about... Should we just have a quick rundown of what was in the charts? Oh, God, yes. So this yes, is please. in the, the week of the first game. Yes. Uh, the, the top 10 was this. Number 10, Club Hopping by Club Heads. Oh, God. Don't even remember that one. Yeah. Des- Design for Life, Manic Street Preachers. Classic. Post Richie, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Woo Wah Got You All in Check by Buster Rhymes is at number eight. <laughs> Ooh, cut some rug by the fucking blue tones is at number hey, seven. Hey, I like cut some rug. That's a good song. Uh, number that, six. Speaking of the terrible. FA Cup, move, move, move. Bracket the red tribe. Close bracket the 1996 <laughs> Man United FA Cup squad song. I think that a guy I used to work with uh, at Guitarist Magazine played guitar on. He played on <laughs> one of the Man United FA Cup songs, and I think it might have been that one. You're gonna love that having you the phone rings. We might have a job yeah. for you. Oh, oh, yeah. is it? Um, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's playing on the Man United FA Cup. Oh, song. for fuck's sake! Yeah. Um, number five, "Charmless Man" by Blur. Oh, tuned. Ironically, ironically, one of their less charming songs, I think. Number four, Suggs and Lucci Lou doing Cecilia. Oh, I remember that. That's yeah. fucking hideous. That. Number three on its way to go into number one a few weeks later, I believe. Ooh, ah, just a little bit by Gina G. The uh, the Eurovision entry that year. Number two, Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. Tune. I know a girl who went out with Mark Morrison. He was an really? absolute cunt. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, that shocks me. Lit- I could not literally shock me less. Yeah, not the, he knocked cunt. the shit out of her. Um, oh, so, yeah, so our number one, which absolutely brilliant song, I feel, Fast Love by yeah. George Michael. Uh, as, as later George Michael goes, you know. The it's... second single off the older album, From Memory. Yeah. The first single was Jesus to a Child. This is all from memory. This is the kind of 90s memory I have. <laughs> i tell you what, do you, you've, you've, talked, you've talked the music world. Do you want to know what was in the United Kingdom box office? Yeah, let's do that. No, i tell you what, 1996 an incredible year for movies. Right. Let's look in a let's, good let's, way or not. In an absolutely let me give you some of the number one films from nineteen ninety six, not including the ones from our period. Seven. Yes. Leaving Las Vegas. 
depressing, but good film. Fantastic film, yeah. Jumanji. A bit after I wasn't kiddy enough at that time to watch it. Yeah. So Toy Toy Story. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. The The Rock. <laughs> From Dust Till Dawn, Mission Impossible, Independence Day, Twister. Muppet uh, Treasure Island, by uh, the way. Well, I tell you what, that is what was number fucking one in the box office on the game on the week of that second game was Muppet Treasure Island and Twelve Monkeys was number one on the week of the league game. And incredibly, inexplicably, and I still don't know how this happened, number one for a week this year was When Saturday Comes, the Sean, the Sean Bean fantasy wankfest football film. Other films that baffle me how they got to number one this in this period uh, were um, Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle Eraser. And Jingle uh, All The Way. Jingle All The Way. Um, the Nutty Professor, a goofy movie. Two weeks at number one. Uh, is Leslie Nielsen's Dracula Dead and Loving It, uh, which I will like, to be honest with you, that's a better film than it gets credit for. Um, depressingly, on November 1996, Michael Collins was number one for a week. That was a really bleak week. I in went Britain. to watch that in the lecture theatre at Uni. We used to do like a theatre uh, cinema night every now and uh-huh. again. And, yeah. and in amongst, uh, I mean, obviously the best film of the year is Star Trek First Contact, which was number one for three that weeks. That is a genuinely great like, film. Genuinely fantastic film. Um, but what a year for movies. Fucking Mission Impossible, The Rock, Independence Day, 12 Monkeys. Twister. Jingle, jingle all the way. Twister. Twister's I a dreadful weird, film. I weirdly love, like, I was weirdly obsessed with Twister. There is I that one brilliant what... line, though, in it, isn't it, when she says, when you, when you said you used to chase hurricanes, I thought it was a metaphor. <laughs> That's a great line. But, but, you know, who ever thought that Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton were like a crackling on-screen couple? I mean, they really weren't. Who thought that and went, yeah, those two. Helen Hunt and anyone. Let's yeah, be and what, who was the other one in it? Um, the one from Lost Boys, wasn't it? Jamie from Lost Boys. Oh, the dark one. Star from Lost Boys. Uh, oh, Can't remember her name, but anyway, she was in it. Anyway, we've banged on long enough, so there you go. There's a movie from 1996. I hope that you have all enjoyed yes. this little reminisce of a little strange pocket of history from 1996 yes. in the pre-season pod that's not really about pre-season. I feel like us going back to the '90s could be a well that we come back to again and again in I've our no in problems. our, That's in our my, thing. My, my That's, way of living. Yeah. So, so if you like that sort of thing, subscribe to the Betraying. And <laughs> if you like unbelievable '90s nostalgia, you might get a hell of a lot more of it. Who knows? Who knows? Um, right. So that is the preseason one out of the way. Hopefully, as I say, there are lots. I'm not trying to push you to other podcasts, but there'll be loads of other ones doing all kinds of analysis about who Worcester's back row options are yes. and all that, which we yes. are not going to do. However, no. we're back next week with a review of the opening weekend in a normal yes. episode shall format. So, who? But before we go, yeah. shall we in in a in a, a gossamer tissue of attempting <laughs> to do a preseason? Go shall on. we just say who we think is going to win it all? Um, who's going to win everything? Well, okay, Prem. Premiership. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Saracens. Yeah, Pro Fourteen. Leinster. Yeah, uh, Champions Cup. Leinster. Yep, and Challenge Cup. I don't even know who's fucking in the Challenge Cup. Don't to be honest with you, it's not the Ospreys. Not Gloucester. They're not in it this year. Uh, Champions Cup, Gloucester. Uh, blah, 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 now this blah, is why we've not done a pre-season pre-season pod see yeah uh, you've, you've, let's see who's in it this year 2018-19 Challenge Cup let's, uh, Harlequins are in it 
They might win it. Fuck that. Oh, I am looking forward to seeing Paul. C- I'm well, looking forward to seeing Paul the CK play for Harlequins, though. Yes. A lot. The yes. former NFL fullback who will be turning out for, who looks a fucking handful. Absolute monster of a lad. Like not, but not a monster. Small but man. So strong. Like, and almost like, an like perfect crash ball center. Can I, can I stop you for a second? I know exactly who's going to win the Challenge Cup, and it's not going to be close. Who? Clermont fucking over. Of course, yeah. <laughs> they ended up in it, haven't they? Yeah, fucking forget about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or La Rochelle or Stad or Northampton. Did you see the top 14 game at the weekend? Uh, yes. I'm sorry to mention it, but our friends <laughs> beat um, Montpellier again. Yeah. yeah, they did. And Scott Spedded looked magnificent what's that all about i don't understand anything anymore and if it makes any sense try not to i mean as with the band cast (laughs) if you try to understand the team cast you will ultimately just end up going mad that's exactly what we're going to do thank you everybody for listening we will speak to you next well quite quickly in a few days actually um good to be back and we'll see you all soon take care Thank you, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.